Are you feeling stuck, lost, tired, or uninspired? We've all been there, including myself. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. I'm here to tell you that the best, unapologetic, and limitless version of yourself is yet to come. The Born Unbreakable podcast is here to inspire just that. With motivating guests from all different walks of life and around the world, their stories will empower you to unlock abundance and your unbreakable spirit. Do you need accountability? Reach out to me for a free consultation of how I can support you in reaching your maximum potential. This episode is brought to you by Sherpa Way Marketing. Are you a business looking to gain greater visibility online through search engine optimized content? Maybe you need effective ad campaigns to kickstart or bolster traffic to your website. Sherpa Way Marketing has seasoned experts that are bilingual in English and Spanish. Let them take the guesswork away and enhance your brand positioning with their comprehensive marketing services. Go to SherpaWayMarketing.com. That's S-H-E-R-P-A-W-A-Y Marketing.com to schedule your free 45-minute consultation today. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. Maybe it's your first podcast that you're tuning into, or maybe you've been here the whole time. Either way, thank you for joining us today, because today we are going to delve into the world of PR or public relations and digital marketing and the whole world that continues to become, I think, depending on how you look at it, more complex because there's more avenues uh, to pursue in terms of getting your name out there, whether you're an established brand or you're a brand new brand. But I have a really special guest today, Kristen Marquet. She is the founder and creative director of Marquet Media, LLC, and Femme Founder. And she helps female entrepreneurs plan, launch, and scale their businesses, which I am a huge fan of. So I'm going to fangirl out a little bit today. So don't mind me with my enthusiasm, but hopefully that makes this a lot more fun of an episode. But Kristen does everything from helping with digital marketing, PR, social media marketing, which is a whole other fun category. She's actually quite educated as well. I just want to point that out. I was like, wow, I would like her to speak at something because you'd have so much wonderful background being in MIT, Boston University, NYU, studying literature and marketing and PR. So we we have definitely an expert today. And oh, by the way, if that's not enough, she's written some books (laughs) because she just has so much free time to write books. So she's the author of Squash Your Competition and Dominate Your Marketplace, 55 Easy Tips to Generate Big Publicity for Your Startup and or small business today. And she co-wrote Publicity Jumpstart, 10 Ways to Get Your Brand Featured in the Press. So if today's not enough, go check out those books because there'll be some great information in there. But Kristen, welcome to the Born and Breakable podcast. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And this, this topic... I'm very enthusiastic about because while I haven't thoroughly studied the statistics, I will say I've been very pleased over the last couple of years of this pandemic, which sadly we're still in, but I've seen a lot more women entrepreneurs blossoming, whether it's a company that they've started prior uh, to this time or just having the gusto and making the bold move to say, you know what, this is a perfect time for me to do this because I want to get my creative juices going and the online space is something I can capitalize on with everybody being more home in front of their computers. And so I think that's great. And I, and hopefully that's been great for you in terms of business. But, you know, I really want to start with your personal story. What what was your journey into getting on into entrepreneurship yourself? 
Well, just so that you have a little background about me, both my parents were business owners, so I always had that entrepreneurial spirit kind of ingrained in me. Um, went to college, graduated, and when I graduated, I was thinking about going to law school. And so I ended up working for a law firm, an international law firm for a year as a PR and digital marketing manager, hated it. So I said, I'm not doing this. So then I landed in management consulting and I did that for four years. Well, I was still in my mid to late twenties. Financial crisis came, happened, entire office, my Northeast office, we all lost our jobs. So at that point, I was kind of met with, do I get a job or do I start a business? And I started a business and I haven't looked back. Um, it has not been all roses and rainbows. It has been grueling, tough, even though I'm still, you know, 15 years into it now. Um, mm -hmm. Day after day, there are challenges. You know, I still get stressed out and burnt out, you know, kind of burnt out even now. But you learn to deal with the ebbs and the flows as, you know, being a business owner comes with. And, you know, here we are. And in the interim of growing um, Marque Media, you know, I pursued my first graduate degree at Boston University of Finance, graduated actually right after the financial crisis. Decided to go back, went to NYU, got a degree in corporate communications and PR, graduated in 2013 or 2014. I can't even remember. That's how long ago it was. And, you know, here we are. And, you know, I'm actually going to be going back to school for another oh, well, career pivot. Wait, you clearly haven't gone to enough school. <laughs> so, you know, going back is makes so much sense. What are you going back to school for? Computer science because I'm building out the infrastructure with the, the SaaS side of FemFounder, which we can talk about, um, mm -hmm. but that's the one key piece that's missing, you know, and, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. Kristen, you're like a machine. Well, when do you sleep? I, I do sleep, but I don't have kids. So that is probably the, you know, <laughs> an advantage that I have. Although that's not to say that we don't have a surrogate, um, which that's a whole nother story in itself, fertility and, you know, um, oh, yeah. but, but yeah, so the fact that I have all this time to dedicate to my work, you know, it makes it a lot easier. That's incredible. So what have you always been passionate about marketing, obviously you've studied it and that is, you know, what you, what you've chosen, but what about it drew you to this field? <laughs> Quite frankly, it was the easiest transition to make. <laughs> not because I loved it, not because I was passionate about it. It just, it was the easiest transition to make and I had the skill set, So it was the, a, a natural progression, I guess, career progression. Because I, I think that I love that you you're honest about that too, you know, because a very, a very common answer is, oh, I just love it. It was my dream. It's a passion. And the the candor is fantastic. And I don't know anybody who says that marketing is their <laughs> PR is their passion. I mean, come on, let's get real. You know, I mean, there are a lot of great elements to it. You have the creative side, you have the strategic side, but it's very stressful. And, you know, you have to be mathematically inclined. If you're not, you're not going to be a good marketer. That's just what I've learned over the years. Well, and you, and I know you studied specifically digital, like the analytics. Mm -hmm. And so there's all of that detail behind it, which mm -hmm. is a whole nother world of, of data, which tells us what we need to focus on. Uh, but why, so why a focus on female owned business? Well, when I started, when I first started my business a hundred years ago, interestingly enough, 
In the ancient Mesopotamian times, <laughs> right. emerged with rocks and chisels. <laughs> right, exactly. We were all writing on mountains. Marketing sides. was chiseling and holding up stones to right. show you what our products were. You know, we also had the town crier. You know, it was great. Right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, when I first started my business, it it was an interesting <clears throat> experience because. I had gone from this corporate background and started freelancing for all these different industries, law, finance, um, private equity, fashion, beauty, technology, and kind of ran the whole gamut. And within the first six months of launching, I had gone from freelancer to full service agency with a team, 30 clients, and got really stressed out, burnt out, and after a couple of years of testing and kind of figuring out what my core values were and the most value I could deliver to clients, I figured out that it was female entrepreneurs. And since, you know, the majority of our clients are female entrepreneurs, I have a couple of males. Um, they're fantastic. But, um, you know, I know that as a publicist, an agency founder, and also with my team, the, the best results I can deliver are for brands and for entrepreneurs that I get along with. The synergy is there. I really believe in what they're trying to do and just bring them value, you know, help them meet whatever objectives they're trying to meet. Yeah. That's, that's really, that's really amazing. I've had, I've connected with other folks who have, you know, marketing companies and are in this space. And I was thinking about what can I ask you, you know, that I haven't put out there. And one of the things that I thought about was the common mistakes that brands or companies make by the time they come to you. Because I, I imagine, and I know for myself personally too, when, when I'm starting a business, you're trying to figure out everything to do first yourself. Mm -hmm. Because you're not trying to invest until you have to. But in the journey of doing that, you make mistakes, you figure out there's things that you can't do on your own, there's some things you do decently, and then you make the call. And you're like, SOS, I think I need assistance here. Uh, can you help me out? Because I really need to get my, I need to make money. <laughs> and I, I need to get my stuff out there so people can see what I'm doing and enjoy all of the talents and gifts that I have to offer. You know, by the time someone comes to you, uh, what, are, what are the kind of common things that you see that are challenges that you're able to help course correct and, and, you know, take in the different, more improved direction. The spray and pray process, you know, I mean, if a lot of the times clients will have worked with PR firms in the past and those PR firms would have, you know, sent one of the same pitch to 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 different media, hoping that something sticks. Um, I just don't find that to be effective, even though you can get a lot of media runs at the end of the day, a lot of the times they're not really quality. You know, I really try and be strategic and focused. So the fact that I see the spray and pray method used, um, is one of the biggest issues. One of the biggest problems that entrepreneurs have. Um, another thing is not researching their target markets. So not knowing who they're trying to sell to. So why are you putting together or why do you want to launch an offering without building an MVP or without testing it, without seeing how your offering is going to differ from everything else out there? You know, how you're going to be able to bridge the gap. And that's where the branding piece with my company comes in. You know, we do a lot of high level branding. Um, it's fun. It's exhausting. But it really helps clients solidify and crystallize what their brand positioning is and how their offerings and their value props are going to be different from everybody else out there. 
That's big because it's not just about coming up with something, throwing at the wall and seeing what sticks. <laughs> because that that's takes spray and pray. <laughs> yeah, way too much energy and effort. So getting that clarity is vital. Mm -hmm. So you know what you're doing, who you're doing it for, and can get the feedback you need to be to be more effective. So, you know, short of going through the 55 tips, you know, that you that you talk about in your book, what are what are some of the biggest things? Because there's, you know, there's people listening right now that are at different stages of of their of their business journey. Um, and I, I do believe that marketing and PR is something that is a constant area to pay attention to and understand. I feel like it changes a lot. You know, how, pick your flavor of the month. Like, should we, how do you know where to put something and, and figure out that it's the most effective, mm -hmm. um, you know, modality? Is it the hottest trend? Like, do we need to put something in TikTok? Um, you know, but maybe your market isn't on TikTok, so that doesn't even make sense. So how do you, you know, what are some of the things that you can you know, say um, generally that would at least help some direction for anybody that's wanting to know how to do better PR. So it depends. It starts with figuring out where your story can fit, um, developing a brand narrative that is both newsworthy and credible, um, making sure that your whatever you're pitching is concise you know, fewer than 250 words. And also you want to make sure that you're pitching the right person at a publication, get to know the stories that they write, understand the tone of voice that they use and follow them on social media. You know, you can send them a tweet. You can send them a DM on Instagram. A lot of times they won't answer, but just get familiar with who the who the journalist is and where your story can fit. That is big. Understand. That's I mean because that's a target too, right? Mm -hmm. If you're wanting to show up in a particular publication and you know nothing about it except for the name, let's well, that's not you know that you haven't done your due diligence. Oh yeah, and I got to tell you, I can't tell you how many times, you know, my team from founder gets pitches from people that are just completely off topic. They have nothing to do with the website. And you can tell that they never even read it. Yeah, which is disappointing. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like showing up for a job interview somewhere and not really knowing what that company does that you're trying to get hired for. Mm -hmm. Or what the role is. Yeah. You know, that's not good. Yeah. So become familiar, know where your story can fit, know what makes you newsworthy, know what makes you credible, you know, and the newsworthiness piece is announcing the launch of something or a company pivot or a new hire or opening a new office or something along those lines. Um, I guess even controversy, I generally try and stay away from that, but controversy could be something else that would be potentially interesting to a media outlet. And then the credible piece is any transformation you've gone through, any academic accolades you have, whether you've written a book and it's become a New York Times or a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Um, it's coming up with your credibility markers so that you can create a, a media bio that's interesting, on point, timely, but also conveys why you should be the one for them to talk to over everybody else out there. Mm -hmm. And education isn't necessarily the thing that moves the needle. You know, it could be inexperience. It could be trauma. It could be, you know, a transformation. You lost 150 pounds, you know, you have suffered from some type of addiction, you're in recovery, you know, anything along those lines could potentially work as credibility markers. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I'm going back to that you said was sometimes there's, there's PR companies that kind of take the same 
pitch and throw them everywhere, every mm -hmm. single place. Yep. What's a, what's a better approach? I mean, be smart and be strategic. Craft different pitches for different publications. Make sure each piece of communication is tailored to meet the tone and the style of the publication in which you're pitching. You know, mm -hmm. don't send, you know, one press release to a thousand different media while, you know, you might get a few pickups here and there. It's not really going to help you build brand awareness. It's not going to help you get website, maybe a little bit, but it's not going to have a huge impact on whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. How much of a difference does it make between, I'm just going to use myself as an example. Okay. Okay. Des goes and pitches to, you know, some big publication saying, here's my one pager. Here's my 250 word concise, compelling thing versus Marque Media helping to be the medium. Is, is there a difference between the individual solo person who's, you know, the 54th person that this company has heard from in just this, the last two days, you know, versus an entity like a, like a PR company. I mean, does that make a difference? I mean, in terms I, of visibility? I think for relationships, because a lot of PR agencies have existing relationships. So it's a lot easier to start those conversations. Um, but it's not completely necessary. You know, you can, if you wanted to, absolutely craft a pitch, send it out, make sure you have your talking points, you know, and make sure that it's going to be of interest to the editor or the television producer or the podcast host, you know, as you know, being a podcast host, I'm sure you get mm -hmm. pitched a hundred times, you know, a week, um, for things that are completely off topic, but, um, it, a founder is just as capable as a PR person you know, and interestingly enough, three, three, four, four years ago, I actually created a PR course specifically for founders that need help getting PR, but they can't afford to hire an agency. It teaches you mm -hmm. everything that you need to know about pitching for television, pitching for radio, podcasts, digital media, print media, and everything else in between. So awesome. there are resources out there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I would imagine budgeting is something that is important because uh, I think oftentimes when, when new businesses start, you're, you're bare bones. And then there comes a point when you, you know, you have some funds that you can allocate to different things. And one of those first things I think often is, okay, well, what's the marketing budget, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and there's, and, and if you can dial that in, that helps with knowing where to right. direct those. those exactly. Things. How much you can allocate to PR, how much you're going to allocate to, you know, social ads, how much you're going to allocate to social media, so on and so forth. Um, but I think that, PR has to be used at the right time. You know, somebody that is bootstrapped, um, mm -hmm. that's trying to get sales for an e-commerce shop, um, mm -hmm. a, the PR approach isn't going to be right because PR should be used more for brand building, visibility, awareness, credibility building. Um, it shouldn't be used solely to get sales because you're going to be disappointed if you mm -hmm. do you know, I actually had a client when I first started in the industry, we got her shirt on one of the covers of Oprah magazine with Oprah wearing it. And she sold 10. We were expecting her to sell like thousands, Tons. only 10. Interesting. So there's, there's a perfect example of not using PR as the only conduit to get sales. Mm-hmm. Well, and that leads me to a question around data, because that's a territory that you're very familiar with. You know, how does one as a 
business best get data that helps them know where where do I focus because you because you have all these avenues you're like well I can do google ads or I can you know optimize the seo on my website or I can go on social media and just go nuts or I mean you know how how does one get the information that goes okay oh this is where my target audience is this if I had to prioritize this is how I would, you know, do it. So I'm not wasting all my time over here and not getting any yield for it. Right. Well, it depends. I mean, if you're a new business owner, you're going to have zero data, you know, so you're going to have to go off of other competitors data, you know, and kind of craft your narrative around that and figure out where your target audience is. Um, if you're an existing business and you've had analytics set up, then all you have to do is set up the right filters, figure out where you want to collect data from, take a look at it, and then you can pretty much make an educated guess for where you should allocate your time and your money for marketing. You know, like you said, is it SEO? Is it blogging? Is it doing podcasts? Is it doing television, radio? You know, is it spending time on Instagram? Should I build my email list? You know? Um, do I need to create more lead magnets? I mean, you'll have a sense with all the free tools that are available today, you'll have a sense of where you should spend your time. And I understand that a lot of business owners aren't savvy with data and analytics. But again, with all the resources that are out there to learn about Google Analytics and the Search Console and SEMrush and Moe's and AREFs and all that, um, you know, maybe spending a couple hours getting familiar with what those terms mean and how to read analytics is going to give you a competitive advantage over everybody else out there. Yeah. I feel like there's a, some, that's a weapon that's not always gone to maybe as quickly as it needs to, because it can tell uh, so much about where to spend energy. Are there particular, because you mentioned free, you know, tools, are there some common ones out there that for a new person that's like, I just need to start getting data. I don't mind paying for it in the future when I start getting bigger. Are there, there's a good place to start with capturing some of that information? Yeah. I mean, Google Analytics, um, you know, Google Search Console, and then all your social media platforms have free analytics dashboards. So you can look in there and kind mm -hmm. of gauge what messaging and what posts are resonating the most. Even if you have five followers, you know, I mean, it's still going to be a good benchmark over somebody that has zero data. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just start where you can. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and go from there. But that is what's really cool. Even, uh, even with all the social platforms, is there something in the backdrop that shows you, you know, what's, what's your engagement? Um, and, and even male, female, you know, times that people look at your things more, mm -hmm. is it more of, you know, 6 PM versus 12 PM or whatever it is. And I forget that often. It's like, oh, it's right there. Mm -hmm. Just look at it any time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know. I mean, it's, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's all right there at your fingertips. You know, I know it could be overwhelming to sit there and sift through, you know, thousands and thousands of different dashboards of analytics. But at the end of the day, you know, you just do just a very cursory look. Um, just to get a sense of where people are finding you, what posts are resonating with them the most, and also what keywords, you know, your website is ranking for. Where people, yeah. if you have any backlinks, what, which ones people are clicking on, you know? I mean, it's not rocket science. Yeah. Just got to dig. Yeah. Got to dig a little bit yeah. and do some of that research. Mm -hmm. um, Kristen, at what point would you say somebody is ready for PR? Because you did mention, you know, timing. It's 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 not like you're you you 
there's different reasons and different timing, maybe even different budgets and of when it makes sense to get that assistance, you know, to, to go bigger. What are some of the signs that somebody is ready for (laughs) some bigger partnership? So if you have the media reaching out to you consistently for commentary, that could be one sign that you're ready to bring on in a partner agency. Um, another one would be, you know, if you've scaled to that first 250K a year, um, you should be able to allocate a couple thousand dollars a month solely to PR to build that brand, that recognition get yourself on television if that's something or get your products on television if that's something that, you know, aligns with your larger goals. Um, If you think you're ready to dedicate time to doing these interviews, that can be another sign that you're ready to to bring on a PR uh, partner. But if you've just started, you're bootstrapped, you only have prototypes, um, you know, and you're like a handbag designer, you're still in school, I think that might be a little too early. So, yeah. you know, you just have to, you have to have something that's ready to be pitched. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's, there, there's the, the, the time investment. And I'm, I'm glad you're being really honest about that, you know, because I think sometimes um, there's a sugar coating of, you know, the, the eager beaver, right? Like you're starting out and you want, you want the whole team there right from the from the get-go but i think there's some different decisions that you have to make to kind of build uh you know the lego pieces a little bit before you you bring in uh some of the different team players that Mm -hmm. are going to help accelerate you know the business and what what would you say in your in your experience is the typical journey for someone that works with with pr do you tend to have clients that are kind of forever clients that, you know, you, you know, you, they get to a certain peak point, but they're still having you be advisory. What, what's the common relationship that you have with the clients you work with? You know, I mean, we've had clients that have kind of dropped in, you know, for a six week product, you know, launch, and then they're gone. Um, but I would say the majority of my clients have been with us for five years or more. So you really, you're, you're a part of the team, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, part of their family, actually. Yeah. You're part of your, you're, you're part of their, um, <laughs> their, their family. I love it. What, what has surprised you about what you, what you've seen, um, in the market? Is there any kind of new, you know, trending information out there because you, you see some of the different media outlets and and things like that is there any late breaking news <laughs> around things that have been just particularly effective in media that might we might be unaware of i mean i, I wouldn't say I, I mean there's nothing that's like revolutionary you know i mean with the advent of the internet and social media you know, it's made communicating with journalists a lot easier. You know, when I first started in the industry, Twitter, Twitter, definitely no social media was around, you know, so the only way to communicate with these people was over phone. You'd have to yeah. call and pick up the phone and pitch them. Or find was- their email in an ad or something and, and say, oh, reach out, you know, this is this person that does such and such at this company. But half the time, I, I mean, I would say more than half the time, probably 90% of the time, a journalist wouldn't even respond if you sent an email back in the early 2000s because yeah. it just wasn't a normal practice. You mm-hmm. know, now you can pitch somebody on Twitter and it's like, well, you know, I mean, hey. I've had good success building relationships on Twitter and Instagram. That's pretty phenomenal if you think about it. Mm-hmm. That whole slide into the DM thing is like a thing. <laughs> Like you could, you know, you could get to the right person and next thing you know, you, you know what I mean? You got this, this, uh, this end to this place that just never, it never would have been that way. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that is pretty fascinating. Yeah, I agree. Um, and well, and in the social media space, um, you know, what are some of the, the big 
ticket items that you find is important for people to think about when they're wanting to grow their presence um, <clears throat> on an Instagram or a Facebook or the like? See, it's, it's tough with the algorithms consistently changing, but it's not impossible. You know, you have to be, you have to be consistent. You know, you have to post most days of the week when your followers are online so that, or when potential followers are online. And you want to also craft content that aligns with what they're looking for. You know, I, I mean, I, you see a lot of crap on Instagram that's just, oh my God, I'm so honored to do X, Y, and Z. And it's just so self-serving and it's so, so fake. Um, I think that people that are transparent and authentic, brands that are authentic, they're going to be the ones that attract the right followers might take some time, but at least you know that your audience will be genuine. You know, I'm going to go out and buy followers because that's just stupid. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, it's but you build more of that loyalty when you have that authenticity because mm -hmm. people actually care about what you're doing and you're in service and of others, not just yourself, you know. Oh, I'm doing a selfie and, and this is what I'm doing and all of this, you know. Now, although that's fun sometimes, but that's not, you know, that's not everything. That's not showing what what it is that you're doing to to give your service or your product. Mm -hmm. So what is the call to action? Like what kind of what's your avatar? You know, if some if if you were looking for that next business that would come and work with you and what you provide who who is that profile so it's a female she's in between 35 55 she has a business business is generating at least 500k a year she's had some level of notoriety she wants to ramp up her brand awareness and maybe she's launching a book or a new product or a new company um, and somebody that's going to listen and be collaborative and somebody who's not going to be toxic and somebody who's not going to expect the world um, and somebody that's going to be respectful um, and just be willing to work with us on a day-to-day -day, um, and guide us as much as we guide them. And that's really difficult to find. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I mean, that's why I hold on to my clients that are like that, you know, I think just subconsciously, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. always something more to give that keeps them, you know, wanting to continue to engage in this relationship. But, <laughs> but yeah, at the same time, it's just, you know, it's tough to find people that are going to value what you have to offer are going to be willing to do their part um, and also aren't going to, you know, expect the world of you, you know, and I've recently had a couple of clients like that and I just had to let them go. Mm -hmm. Just said, that's not how I work. You know, if you're not going to listen to me, you're not going to respect my boundaries as a business owner. You know, I just, I don't have time for it. See you later. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let the door hit you on the in the ass on the way out. That's right. Well, and I and I think that's one of the great lessons of business is is as you go, you continue to gain that clarity. Um, you know, so as for anyone listening, I mean, Kristen just did an amazing job of outlining who that right person is. And that isn't everyone, right? That's that is a specific group of people. <laughs> yes. And and that and that I mean and that helps because I think as an entrepreneur it's it, one of the biggest things I see I've suffered this so many times uh, personally um and I see that with others when you're just so passionate um and you want to help people is that you want to help all people. Mhm. Mm you want to be all things to all people. Yeah, which is just a recipe for disaster. And it just doesn't work. You can't please everybody. And you know what? The client isn't always right. 
I say the client's <laughs> right, right maybe like 30% of the time. Right. Well, I mean, and then arguably that is why they are asking for help because they don't have all the answers and they're, they're seeking, you know, people that do have answers mm -hmm. that are going to help them. Um, but Kristen, what, what's next for you? So, so tell me about, um, the future, you know, so obviously it's been 15 years. You, you've built this amazing, this, your own brand, you help women to build their brands. When you think further out, like the next five to 10 years, where do you see yourself and where do you see your company? So I see us really pivoting away from doing client one-to-ones, you know, doing client execution work and really focusing more on the Femme Founder brand and helping women founders that may be doing 50000 or $25,000 a year, giving them all the tools that they need to scale to that first 50000 the next 50000 so on and so forth, mm -hmm. um, giving them all the course content that they need. You know, if somebody needs a consult one-to-one, -one, maybe we'll talk about it, but it's really about continuing to build out the Femme Founder brand infrastructure, have more courses, have more of an educational resource, and then also a couple of software pieces that go along with the courses, which is what I'm working on now. Um, so that's Good ultimately say. where I see myself, you know, also, I would like to, you know, like I had mentioned, you know, we're going through the surrogacy process because we've had many failed rounds of IVF. Um, when we do have those babies, you know, I'll be home with them, you know, so um, also just getting more involved in the day to day of my family. And, you know, so that's, that's ultimately where I see myself going, my career going. Um, and just trying to help as many relevant personalities and brands as we can. That's, in, that's incredible. Oh, I love that. And, and, you know, I, I think you're, you're highlighting just something that's so important. Um, because obviously the, the, the theme of our conversation is business and entrepreneurship. But one of the reasons that I, you know, got into coaching, um, and predominantly was performance coaching. Mm -hmm. So talking about career and what else do you want to do with your career and expand and grow and promote it and all this, which is great. Right. I mean, that's, that's naturally what we do mm -hmm. is we learn and we grow and, but it's not everything because there's life, right? There's your personal life and your family and the other things that you're building. And I think one of the most important parts of entrepreneurship is looking at that whole picture, mm -hmm. not just the business, because the business is an engine or a vehicle that hopefully serves better the other elements and the mm -hmm. other parts and pieces of your pie. So I'm happy that you shared that your not your only mission wasn't to just grow and, you know, expand to all these things and then just get, you know, a half an hour of sleep and 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 all of this. It's actually to be able to have more family time. Right. And, yeah. You know, and yeah, <laughs> just yeah. You know, spent like you, you know, the last 15 years working my butt off to get to where I am. I've been successful. You know, I have everything that I want in life, an amazing husband, a beautiful house, you know, I mean, but also it's, it's like you said, it's not just about working. It's also about balancing work with life, living a life full of integrity, trying to be as happy as you possibly can. Um, and just eliminating the toxicity as much as possible. You know, I think that's what kind of makes life come full circle and mm -hmm. just being a good person, you know, not, not being a, you know, jerk, so to speak. Fancy that. Fancy that. Can you imagine what things would be like? Um, my last guest uh, we talked about toxic relationships. So, well, and, and, you know, we talked about it in the context of personal life, but I think that's true for across the board, mm -hmm. especially in business, 
Yeah. You can't yeah. be, even if somebody's paying you a ton of money, if they are going to wreak any type of toxicity in your life, case in point, I just had to get rid of this, this round of clients that were just awful. And, um, just wreaking so much havoc and stress. Um, it just wasn't worth it. So you have to be willing to walk away from the situations and the clients, um, or the relationships, business relationships, partnership, um, that is dragging you down and making you miserable and, you know, keeping you up at night. And, and, um, you know, I, I just learned that it's just, it's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and it's, it goes back to, like you said, value and integrity, because at some point the money isn't more important than the sanity, the peace, the, you know, everything else that you can't really put a price tag on, but is worth the world. <laughs> well, and you know, it's, it's so interesting, you know, I was, talked to my father a couple of weeks ago and we had one conversation in particular and I was in the thick of this really toxic, very stressful um, work client agency relationship. And he had said to me, and this is coming from somebody who ran a very successful business, you know, had dozens of people full-time working for him. And he said to me, it's not worth your health you know, this person can be paying you $50 million a year. If she makes you feel bad or she's just being completely unreasonable, get rid of her. And, <laughs> you know, it took me this long to, to realize that. But I did what I had to do. And, you know, there's still some air of toxicity with a few other situations that, Mm -hmm. She was involved in, you know, on the periphery, but, you know, got rid of it. And, um, you, you know, for the most part, it, like 80% of that stress and burnout has gone away because, you know, I don't have to deal with that crazy company as a client. Yeah. You're preserving your energy, which is like fuel mm -hmm. because people can either fuel you or drain you and... If you're drained, then you can't serve the people that are actually worth serving. So you have to make those decisions. But I want, you know, I want to take some time this last part of our time together asking you a couple questions that people can get to know you a little bit more. Okay. Uh, you know, so the title of my podcast is Born Unbreakable. Um, I have a belief that we are more resilient than we think we are. You know, um, I titled my podcast this way because I too have gone through my own trials and tribulations and I keep on coming back, you know? So I, I really do think that we have unbreakable spirits and I want to ask you, you know, what, what makes you unbreakable? I mean, similar to you, you know, I've had a lot of hardship an extreme amount of trauma, you know, um, more than the average cat. Um, but you just pick up and you just keep going forward. You know, I mean, it doesn't kill you. I think it's such a stupid saying, but what doesn't kill you really does make you stronger. Yeah. You're still here. We're still kicking. Mm -hmm. Right. Despite, despite the odds and, and everything that we've gone through. Yep. Um, Kristen, what is something on your bucket list? Um, great question. Um, <laughs> I'm fortunate enough to do, you know, almost everything I've wanted to do, um, travel wise, you know, and, you know, marriage wise and all that. But, uh, no, nobody's ever asked me that before. That's kind of put me on the spot here. <laughs> um, I don't know. My bucket list, maybe for one of my books to become a New York Times bestseller. I don't know. I mean, That's it's like freaking awesome. reaching for the stars, but hey, you know. 
Hey, might as well. Why right? not? We've limited time on the earth. Get on the New York bestsellers list. That's a pretty, pretty solid thing to accomplish, right? So I think I think that's pretty stellar. I love that. Um, what about what's a self-limiting belief that you've had to overcome? Um, that I wouldn't be a successful entrepreneur. You know, I mean, I think a lot of women deal with imposter syndrome or thinking that they're not good enough to, to do something, you know, or be able to make a living at doing something they don't mind, you know, in my case, cause I'm not passionate about it. I don't love it. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think that it's having the confidence to know that you can do something, make the world a better place somehow, or help people and actually make a good living at it, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I used to never think I would actually work for yeah. myself. Oh, good enough thing. Oh, get me started. <laughs> Such a true statement. Yeah. And I feel like it's so common amongst women in particular. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, ugh. I, I only know the information 95%. There's like 5% still. Meanwhile, you know, a man is like, oh, 1%. That's all I need. That's enough. We'll figure out the rest of the 99. You know, I'll get some people to go do some exactly. research. Exactly. I'm going to hire a team. They're going to help us accomplish all these things. Got to work on that. <laughs> I got to work on that. Um, what about a superpower? What would you say is one of your superpowers, the strengths that you're really proud of? Well, I don't have any superpowers. <laughs> I mean, I guess one of my strengths is having this uncanny ability to build relationships with anyone, um, have a conversation with anyone about anything and not have it be awkward. I guess that that's a superpower. There's a lot of awkward conversations <laughs> and there's a lot of social, you know, uh, Challenges. That's actually, it's funny. And I, I mean, I, for anyone who cares for young humans, whether you're a parent or a caretaker of any way, a teacher, anything, that was one of the biggest ter terrifying things that I thought of, you know, in this pandemic time when kids weren't going and having these integrated interactive experiences in school, like face to face, my fear was that they would be these socially awkward people that only know how to use technology to communicate, but when they come in person, don't know how to engage, read social cues, read facial expressions, know how to course correct or make adjustments in their dynamic. If they, you know, like they're because <laughs> basic social basic. skills and also being able to deal with different personality types, be able to work in different types of groups. Yes. You know, because that's, that's what life really is all about. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's not, I know I said this is, it was, I think it's okay. I, I, there's a lot of good people doing a lot of good things to help that. But I, but I, that was one of the things that freaked me out. I was like, oh my gosh, we're just going to be in this, you know, situation where all these young people are not going to know how to interact with each other. But, you know. That's, I, I think, I think, I think we'll, we'll be okay. <laughs> um, Kristen, if you had to give one last piece of advice to anybody listening in your years of wisdom that you've acquired, what would, what would that be? <laughs> I mean, I'm not religious by any stretch, but I love the term God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listen twice as much as you talk. Gosh. <laughs> That's the best piece of advice I can give to anybody. Honestly, I'm telling you, if people just did that, there'd be a lot of different situations out there. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's the truth. But, Kristen, where can people find you? Where can they follow what you're doing? How can they find out more about FemFounder? It's, well, I mean, you could go to femfounder.co or Marque, which is M-A-R-Q-U-E-T dot company or Twitter. It's just my name at 
Kristen Marquet, and Instagram is at FemFounder. Amazing. I'll make sure that all of those links are in the show notes for anybody listening wherever you are. Look at those show notes, folks. They're informative. They have links. I take time to write cool stuff in there. <laughs> Pay attention to that stuff. You really should. I love reading show saying. notes. I'm just saying, man. It's like good stuff in there. All the goodies. But, you know, I, I just appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you've got all kinds of things to do and, you know, people to serve. Hopefully nobody to fire anymore. Um but this is this has been amazing. I I you're you're in a space that I do think is tough, but is absolutely needed um, by so many. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, you know, waters that are not always the easiest to navigate. So so having expertise in in PR and marketing is is awesome, especially for female businesses. I'm a huge fan. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad that we had the opportunity to connect. And I hope that you guys get something out of this conversation. And uh, yeah, you know, thank you so much for having me on. Awesome. What an awesome interview with Kristen Marquet. So much knowledge in the PR space. I've had the honor of interviewing several people who are in the marketing and PR space. One of the consistent takeaways and themes that I've noticed is the importance of brand clarity and knowing who your target audience is. So that is a big indicator of what to focus on. If you are an existing brand or if you're a new brand, new company, focusing on who is it that you're, who is buying your product or service, who is that ideal client profile, what is it that they need, what is it that they want, and really having that clarity is is so vital. I would say the second thing that resonated with me is just your commentary about those toxic relationships. When you do have brand clarity and you understand your boundaries, you're going to know what those smoke signals are when somebody is not meeting those parameters. If you have a client that is not fitting into the alignment of what it is that you're looking for. And I think that's, that's, that's very important. Uh, When you are a business, you want to be expending your energy where there's reciprocity. So that I, by that, I mean, you are giving your energy to others who are equally giving their energy and their value to you. There's reciprocity there. There's value add in both directions. And I would highly encourage you to think about that in terms of who you have on your team and if that need is being met. Uh, And that last thing that I I would say is the, the importance of scaling your team and adding people at the right time. And, you know, it is marketing and PR can be tricky. And I loved how Kristen shared that there is a right time to engage with an outside agency or company. Uh, And that probably isn't right at the infancy stage. Um, You know, doing your due diligence and building the right foundation before you bring in the big guns, so to speak, is is something to, to think about and consider. So focus on that budget and working that incrementally, you know, because there will be a point that you're able to have a bigger budget to invest in those resources that can really help you bolster your business in the arena of marketing. But hopefully you learned a lot from today's episode. Uh, certainly appreciate you listening today. If you haven't already, subscribe or follow Born Unbreakable wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Share this and give a rate and review if you haven't already. I want to shout out Ava Media Productions. I am very grateful to have Ava Media 
help put this content together and make it the best that it can be so it can go out to all of you. Um, And let me know if you have a guest or if you have a topic that you're eager to hear about, email me at des at bornunbreakable.com and we'll see what we can do about that. For now, remember that you are your only limit. So take action today and I will see you or engage with you. If you don't watch this on video, if you're, if I'm just in your ear, I will uh, connect with you on the next episode.